welcome to the Family Movie Night Podcast, where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. This is episode 38, and my name is Nathan, and I am joined, as always, by the hero of our podcast, Donnie Dorsey. Uh, Donnie, you get to be John Goodman in this movie, which is a uh, is a wonderful thing. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm John Goodman. I mean, like, it's, it's You're in good, the name. Man. It's yeah. in the name. Like, it's built in. Like, it's... I don't even have to try for that one. <laughs> That's right, man. It's all good, man, right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Very good. Well, and of course, the uh, the uh, villain of our podcast, which is Yzma, and I think you may be doing better, though. You get to be Eartha Kit in this movie. Yeah, so. I, I was about to say, Eartha Kit, that's a, that's a good option. For, yeah, for it's very one. good. Very good option. And of course, the mom of our podcast, Heidi Cooper. Heidi, I, I'm sorry, you're going to have to kind of hold us all together today as we are just devolving into craziness. Llamas all around. I, You get to be Kronk, though. I'll make you Kronk in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know it makes you very happy. So Kronk, definitely the silent hero of this film. So for sure. Absolutely. I don't speak squirrel though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we of course, as you can tell, are talking about uh the Disney animated, uh, I want to say classic at this point, hasn't quite made it 25 years. 2000 uh was when this was produced. The Emperor's New Groove, uh, which is about an arrogant young emperor named Cusco who is transformed into a llama by his power-hungry advisor, the devious diva Yzma. Stranded in the jungle, Cusco's only chance to get back home and reclaim the high life rests with a good-hearted peasant named Pasha, who he had already said uh, he was going to eminent domain his uh, his village uh, for Cusco. Was it Cusco-topia? Is that what he calls it? Yeah. So... Together, they must return Cusco to the throne before Yzma tracks them down and finishes him off. So that's the movie we're talking about. But before we get to that, Donnie, why don't you tell them what we do on this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So on this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories, start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know that critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and some shared experiences that will help you build stronger relationships. And, you know, movie nights are great opportunities to do that because movies are not just an easy way to share laughter and joy together, you know, fear and sadness all in a safe environment. But they give us a chance to talk about what matters most to us in ways that are meaningful and memorable with our children. And uh, on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies you could watch on your monthly movie night, but uh, give you some ideas of meaningful conversations you can have with your children during or after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing to your to-do list as parents that you're going to feel guilty about later. We just want to make it easier for you and your kids to spend time together and to build memories and have conversations that matter. So throughout our conversation today, remember that we want to have fun and help you think through simple and easy ways to share your love of Jesus with your kiddos. And uh, this movie, we think, is a great opportunity to do that, uh, primarily because I think your kids are going to just have a blast with this movie. Uh, this movie is fun. It is funny. I remember going to see this movie in theaters as a whatever would have been 10 or 11-year-old, uh, just hanging out at the theater, watching this movie with my parents, but also then later with my friends uh, and just... I think I quoted a ton of this movie as a kid. 
Uh, it's just really fun, really funny, and has a really important theme for us to talk about with our kids. But first, let's just talk about what really works about this movie. So, uh, Donnie, why don't you start us off, man? You're the hero of our podcast. What do you think? Did you watch this with your kids? Yes, I ended up. Yeah, I watched this with my kids. And they it's funny because at first they were like, well, I don't know if I want to watch this. And then as they started watching it, they they just fell in love with it because like the characters are just lovable. Like yeah. there's like even like even the, you know, the villains in the they're kind of lovable. Like you're like, OK, that's kind of cute. Like it's it's not that bad, you know, but they were very it was very cool to watch them really just latch on to the actual themes of it like and think of it and go i don't want to be like that like they would say things like that it's like that he's very mean or he's being very selfish and and i i love watching their minds work in like understanding like that's not something i want or yeah that's not a good thing you know and so yeah it definitely was very enjoyable like where it's definitely a will be it could be a go-to yeah, I think so. My kids love it. There's a on Disney Plus because now you have access to all that stuff. They also have Emperor's New School, which was a animated show they had for about two years on Disney Channel, uh, which is about it's, it's it's a bizarre concept. It's 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 a prequel of Cusco being in school. And I'm like, you have to go to school to be an emperor. (laughs) Sounds very strange. And he falls in love with another like student who's not in this movie. So I don't know how that works, but they love that. They love Kronk's new groove, which uh, Heidi, I'm going to go ahead and suggest for you. There's a whole Kronk centric movie. So, (laughs) and there you go. Uh, I'm here for all of it. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. So Heidi, why don't you talk about, did you watch this with your kids? Uh, Did they they enjoy this? Uh, the whole family watched it. They did not as much as I did, but they <laughs> did enjoy it. Yeah, I uh, I can't get enough of this movie. I don't know why. I just think the characters are so funny, and um, the just the situations they find themselves in are hilarious. Um, but yeah, my kids really did enjoy it. There was a lot of humor that was like appropriate for them, and like kind of the slapstick stuff. You know, minor three and six. Um, but then there's also humor for, you know, older kids and even adults. And so I think it's a really, really yeah. fun movie. Yeah. Well, well, and it, it, it is one where, you know, this movie, I remember kind of being uh, maligned a little bit, uh, whereas, and it still kind of is, this is the period um, and for Disney animation that is kind of referred to as the, uh, the, the dark ages that Hercules kind of brought in that after Pocahontas kind of was the beginning of like, Oh, the Disney Renaissance is over. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to be able to do great films every time. You know, you have this, uh, you have home on the range, you have uh, brother bear, you have a bunch of these that all kind of came out around the same time. They weren't well, very big hits. Brother bear is excellent. I'm not okay. saying whether they're good or bad. I'm saying they they were commercially flops. They didn't make they didn't make any money, uh, and are pretty widely regarded as being not very good. And this movie's in that list. And I think this movie is kind of unfair. I think it is better than Hercules. I think it's better than Hunchback of Notre Dame. I think it's better than like most of those kind of things. It's just a very fun uh, movie that really has a really good message for kids. Um, and anyway, I think it really works. Sawyer, uh, I know a brother bear defender here, but would you would you, where would you put Emperor's New Groove up against Brothers Bear? Ah, uh, it's tough. This movie is definitely not as heartfelt and sincere as Brother Bear. I, I I will freely admit I love Brother Bear most more than most people. I'm pretty sure. I think you love um, it more than Joaquin Phoenix, who was in the movie. 
That might be true. Joaquin Phoenix is a weirdo, dude. He is. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying he was. Uh oh, okay. uh, Heidi is Heidi is muted, but giving us very sassy fingers, and I don't know, yeah. I don't know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm a huge Joaquin Phoenix fan. Oh, okay. Dude. I didn't know. I also the like only one. Phoenix. No, no, I, I, I like Joaquin Phoenix and 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 Gladiator, but he's he's a weird person. Anyway, okay. but no, I I think I would take Brother Bear over this. That being said, I really liked Emperor's New Groove. Um, it was really funny. We've talked about that. One thing I actually I I did not. Re- I knew this movie was like an adventure style Disney movie. I forgot kind of how Spielbergian it is kind of, especially in the second and third act as they're trying to get back to the, the, whatever you call it, like the castle. And it, it was just Do a you fun mean movie. As far as like what, 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 what stood out to you as Spielbergian about it? Oh, just like the part where they get kidnapped and they're trying to break in and stuff like that. And their their banter, uh, Pacha and Cusco's banter throughout the whole thing mm. of them just doing it all. Now it's not Spielbergian in that it's a guy and a talking llama, but uh, and, and that's where the humor comes in. I just thought it, it was a, I was surprised how much I watched it, and I was like, oh, this movie holds up because I hadn't, I had not watched this movie in probably twenty years. I haven't watched this movie in, in a very very long time. Um, yeah. And I was surprised how much I actually had fun with it. Brother Bear, I watched like every two years. This is the weirdest take I've ever heard from you. <laughs> I mean, you've got some Bear, out there ones, like, but Brother Bear, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying once every two years. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. It's like with, on par with Tarzan. I think we, we're going to fight. Oh, so go ahead, Dottie. Well, you said this, the Spielbergian thing. I immediately thought of E.T., and I was like, wait, so is this like the comparison to no. E.T.? Like, we're no, is- more, like, <laughs> more like Raiders of the Lost Ark, honestly. Like, it's just like fun. Them oh, doing- oh, you're saying like the 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 setting of it reminded you oh, of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. And oh, I God. thought you were trying to say something about the filmmaking made you think of Spielberg. No. And I'm like, I'm really trying hard <laughs> no, to no, think no, of no, no, what no. Spielberg movie is like in person. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I meant like the tone and the the setting. Yeah. The setting. Yes. Very South American uh, yeah. jungle. Very much like the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm with you now. We're all on the same page. Uh, I, Heidi's not here for your Joaquin Phoenix slander. And I'm not here for. Uh, I still remember your Chris Tucker slander. So we we will uh, we will forgive you though in a loving embrace of uh, Christian uh, familyness. But uh, we will never forget. Now let's get to uh, our themes for this movie uh, and, and why we think this movie works. And the benefit of this movie is this movie is very much a a child's tale because the moral of the story is pretty much written upon it in in the sense that this is called the emperor's new groove, which is a play on the emperor's new clothes, which is the same kind of thing of a very arrogant emperor uh, gets transformed. And this in emperor's new clothes is uh, they convince him he's wearing these beautiful robes and these beautiful, you know, things, but he's walking around naked and everyone can see that he's naked. He's the only one that thinks he's wearing something. In this case, you have an arrogant emperor, who only thinks about himself, he only cares about his power, his pleasure, uh, what he gets out of life. And in this case, he is humbled uh, by the fact that he is turned into a llama. Now, he is accidentally turned into a llama because his advisor, Yzma, uh, is trying to murder him, but that all gets bungled, and uh, he he becomes a llama instead. Uh, but the the messaging we think that is really important to talk to is 
how well this movie is almost a cautionary tale uh, of what Jesus teaches us, which is to take the path of humble, uh, others-focused, look to the interest of others, uh, other not self-interest, but others-focused, self-giving, self-sacrificial love. And if you don't, uh, you become a lot like uh, Cusco, who has all of this power and all this might, but eventually gets turned into an animal. And there is a way in which we as human beings, we won't get physically turned into animals, but we devolve into uh, almost animal-like self-interest. And uh, now that's really deep. And so the movie kind of gets us to be able to talk to our kids of, hey, this is what happens when you only care about yourself, when you only think about yourself and you don't think about other people. So let's get into that conversation. And uh, uh, Donnie, you, you wanted to talk about, and I think this is a good point, is kind of the way that the character, uh, John Goodman's character, Pasha, kind of works as almost a foil, like he's a mirror image of Cusco. Cusco is totally self-focused, uh, and and uh, Pasha is this really uh, kind and generous person, even to Cusco, who wants to take his land. Like, he's, he helps Cusco. So, Donnie, you want to talk about how we can, how you, you said you actually had a conversation with your kids about this idea. So, so why don't you talk about that first and then maybe how we can do the same thing. Yeah. So like when I was watching it with them, like they, you know, they pointed out different things where they would say, you know, that was not nice or those are not kind things to do. And I would, I would ask them about things like, you know, well, what do you think about Pasha? And they're like, well, he's really nice. I really like him. Like he's like, he seems like somebody that, you know, that's really, really good to people. And it's that reminder with my kids that I was telling them, it's like, is that sometimes, even though people may try to mistreat you and may try to be horrible to you, it does not mean you have to return it in kind. Yeah. You know, because the idea is that it's so common, like to be, you know, to fall into the idea of, well, they said this horrible thing to me or they, they, they've spread this rumor. They spread this gossip about me. I need to, I need to, you know, protect myself, you know, but it's the idea of your reputation is depending on what people think of you, but your character is which who you actually are. Yeah. And like reminding, reminding them is like, you want to be more in the line of who Pasha is, is that Pasha doesn't, isn't concerned about what Cusco thinks of him. He's, yeah. he's just there for like, even when Cusco, like clearly is being doing everything in his power to ruin Pasha's life, so to speak, by like putting his Cuscotopia on top of where he lives. Right. He doesn't come to him and yell at him and scream at him. He goes and he tries to have a dialogue with him. And when he's in trouble, he he reaches out to help him, even though he didn't need he didn't have to. And that's often like the thing that I think is very easy to to forget is yeah. that we often want to return evil for evil rather than going, you know what they said these horrible things, but the best thing I can do is to show them love because I used to talk about this in like when I was waiting tables is that it was the idea is killing them with kindness mm -hmm. and the most disarming thing you can ever do to someone who is very angry and just wants to be mad with you is to show them this unwavering level of like, grace yeah because they don't know how to handle it because they want you to return it so they can volley back and forth like if you've seen those like little like 
like short videos where it's like the person comes to the store is like, I want my money back. And, da, 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 da. and then the person in the store goes, okay. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? Like, that's it. <laughs> it it's very yeah. disarming. And I think Pasha shows that is that if I extend you grace and I show you love and I show you kindness and mercy and compassion, people can and do have the propensity to change and to, mm -hmm. to be better people. But a lot of times we see them as the label that they've been put, that's been put on them. Yeah. Well, and I think Donnie, that's excellent because I think this movie is a really good chance to do that because this is a movie that starts with kind of this glamorous lifestyle of Cusco and your kids may even be attracted to, Oh, that'd be awesome. If you had, you know, this Richie rich type lifestyle and he's going to get his own theme park and he's going to get all this kind of stuff. But what the movie does well is really show you don't want to be Cusco for multiple reasons. One, someone's literally trying to kill him. Like uh, th th where he's at, uh, people people want him dead. The other side of it is he becomes this, like I said, this animalistic person because of his pride and his arrogance and his I only think about me. He's he's vain. He's inconsiderate. But then you look at Pasha and Pasha doesn't have very much. And Pasha is the actual victim in this movie. Like he is the victim of Cusco, but he's the one that is kind and considerate he's gentle he's humble he's meek like all these kind of christ-like characteristics and he may not get everything he wants in life but he becomes the kind of person and our kids it's what's beautiful about this and what's what movies can do is they don't really speak to our head they speak to our heart and there's something about watching this movie even as a kid that you you would rather be pasha than kuzco at the beginning of the movie you would rather be and you feel that you're not just being told by your parents, you should be good and kind, you know, and the way we, and the, often the way that comes across to your kids is like, that would be a good thing to do. Like eating carrots is a good thing to do. Like, I don't want to, and I'm going to have to be good and kind. But when you watch this movie, you see, that's actually the pleasing way to live. That's the way I want to be. And that's a power of this movie. Yeah. We glamorize the idea of abundance <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. What were you going to, oh, sorry. Yeah, same, same thing, same thing. Like you see, I think the, the point you're trying to make, it's really clear that Cusco is the miserable one. Yzma is even more miserable because he's got yes. the power. She's trying to get it. Like, but you see Pacha and his family, you see him interact. Like they, they don't, they have a small, you know, little area, middle of nowhere, all that, but they're so content. And yeah. <clears throat> I think like it kind of portrays, in a really clear way, like what we see in the world, but it doesn't always look that way because we don't see right. those behind the scenes glances of like how good it is to have a family who gets along and how like how fulfilling that is. And, you know, obviously the other way too, where you're, you know, miserable and just power hungry and constantly searching. Yeah. What were you going to say, Donnie? Yeah, I mean, like, because, like, like I was talking about, it's like they, we glamorize or the world glamorizes like the abundance of things, of having everything. It's like, oh, I got all these cars, I got these houses, I got all this money. And not realizing that a lot of times the reason for that is it's real, a lot of times it's just seeking for something else. Yeah. And once you, because there is no cap to where you can go without at some point taking from others in a certain way. Yeah. But you live in a way like how Pasha is in that meek way. It's like that idea of, you know, the conversation when the, you know, the rich man goes, Hey, how do I get into heaven? 
It's yeah. like, ah, he's like, give away all your possessions and then follow me. And he's like, mm. and that's often that's more like how, uh, you know, Cusco is. He's like, I mm-hmm. don't know. I don't really need that. I'll just take my Cuscatopia. Whereas, you know, Pasha is very much more like. I have what I need. I have everything I could want. I have a healthy family. I have a place to live. And like he has that. That can like what Heidi was talking about. He's very content. And I think, yeah, it's something we all want is that contentment with what we have and whether it be things we have or just the people we surround ourselves with. Well, and I think this movie. So you brought up the story of the of the rich man. Um, the usually it's the the rich young ruler is how it's often described. Who comes to Jesus and says, "How do I uh, gain eternal life?" And Jesus says, uh, he, "He says, well, you've done uh, all the commandments. I've kept all the commandments, all those things." And Jesus says, "Well, go and sell all you have uh, and give it to the poor." And the man it says the man goes away sad. Now we don't know what he did, but it says he goes away sad. Uh, because he had so many possessions. And then Jesus says how hard it is for rich people to enter into the kingdom of God. We overlook that part so often of he's saying, if my life is about the pursuit of wealth or power, there is something that happens to my soul. There is something that happens to me, which makes it harder to find the kingdom of God beautiful. There is something in me that happens. And that's what happens to Cusco. He doesn't find gentleness and meekness attractive. Patience is not attractive. Getting what I want when I want it is attractive. And Jesus says that's the opposite of the kingdom. The kingdom is gentleness and meekness and patience, and you may not get what you want. And that's why Jesus says, and I said this to my kids, you know, Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, meaning if you want to make life exactly what you want it to be, you will lose it. He says, but if you give up your life for me, for my sake, for following Jesus, for entering into the kingdom, then you will save it. And then he says, what benefit does it gain you? What benefit is it to you if you gain the whole world? If you get everything Cusco has, but you've lost your soul, you've lost who you are. This is a movie about a man who gained the whole world and he lost his soul. He lost who he was. And this is a beautiful thing. And here's the other part of it. Hank, trying to hang on to your life and get everything you want out of life and the idea that you will lose that that is not just a uh, Jesus-like good moral teaching that goes out. This is prophetic because everyone knows this. When you get a lot of power, you don't ever want to give it up. And you are you are paranoid that someone's always coming up. You don't trust people. You are constant people coming up. I mean, this is every politician, right? You get enough power, you're constant. People are going to do that. You will lie and say whatever you have to do to keep it. You will you will do whatever you will put anyone down. You have to put down to keep them from coming towards you. And it's not just that this happens in relationships. It happens in businesses. It happens in every I mean, racism, sexism, classism. All of those things are I need to make sure I'm on the top and you're beneath me. But what happens is if that's the dynamic I enter in the world, everything's a competition. Eventually, someone will be stronger than me because I'm I get older. And I can't defend myself as well. Someone will be uh, smarter than me. Someone is going to be more maniacal. They're willing to do dirtier things than I'm willing to do. And that's who Yzma is. Yzma is the person who is willing to do what no one else will do. And she's going to kill him to get his power. And that's what I said to my kids, which is an intense thing to say to your kid. But if you make your whole life about, I have to be better than everyone else. And in particular, everyone else has to be worse than me. Eventually, someone will be prettier than you, 
smarter than you, funnier than you. That's a dangerous way to live your life. And Jesus goes, you could just give up that pursuit. You could just be posh and go, I'm happy with what I have. I'm happy with where I'm at. And I want to be kind and generous and gentle. So any other ideas on this before we, we, we move to a different idea? All right. So I want to throw out this other idea that really stuck out to me in the movie and see what you guys' thoughts are on it. Cusco uh, uh, is the perpetual victim in everything. Have you ever watched this? Every time he's in the movie, he talks about how hard his life is. He is constantly victimizing himself. He thinks he's the most. And the whole time he's next to a guy that he is victimizing. That he is, that he is because of his arrogance. He is constantly saying, Hey, I'm the one who has everything uh, that is difficult. And I see this a lot in my children. I see it a lot in myself. But there is a way in which my kids constantly live in this state, which is everything's so unfair to me. My sisters are so mean to me. Everyone's so mean to me. Everything's so hard for me. And being able, part of that is at its nature, pride. Because it is me only focused on me. I used to say this to teenagers all the time. The person with low self-esteem often has a bigger pride problem than the person who has a healthy view of themselves. Because low self-esteem is, I'm so terrible, no one loves me, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm whatever. But still, the only person you're thinking about is you and how hard that is for you and how unfair that is for you. How do we help our kids? Because I think this movie is really about helping us to get a proper image of ourselves, a proper way of really viewing ourselves because focusing on how hard your life is is still a, a form of pride. It keeps you from being able to love and focus on others. So how can we have those kind of conversations with our kids of, hey, even if life is hard, even if things are difficult, your Pasha's life was hard. It was difficult. He was still called to love other people. How can we, how can we have that conversation with our kids? I think, I mean, it starts with how you start your day. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of times the first thing we think about, and like I use an example of like how I can see the difference in my day to day when I started with like prayer or I started with like reading my Bible or the first thing I think about, even if it's not a prayer, I just go, thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. And like I just have that moment. There's something about, putting the perspective off of yourself because a yeah. lot of times when we get up in the morning, the first thing we're thinking about is especially as parents, we're going, all right, I got to go feed the kids. I got to go get this ready. Uh, we got to be here at this time. We got to, and we start going over the schedule and everything that we have to do. And it becomes about that. And like, if we are able to put more focus on, all right, how am I going to like show God's love to the person I interact with today, or how am I going to show it to my family? Or, you know, how will I do it in my, in each moment versus just, you know, focusing on, okay, well, like, cause I remember I heard like this guy talking about it and he was like, you know, person says, I have to go to work instead of saying, yeah. I have to go to work. You say, I get to go to work yeah. you know, instead of, I have to go pick up the kids. I get to pick up my kids kind of thing and like it's the idea of that perspective change of the blessings that you have and the blessings that you get to participate in you know it becomes less about you and more about how much how much it enriches the life of, of the people around you yeah 
Well, and that's a huge part of this, Donnie, is you talk about what you're really talking about is gratitude and being able to be thankful. And, you know, two of the two of the most often repeated commands in the Bible are one is to remember. And the second one is to give thanks. And that when that Christ is always calling us and, and really it's a lot in the Old Testament to the people of Israel. Hey, remember all the Lord has done for you. Remember, don't forget all the Lord has done for you. And there is a way in which, you know, you look at Cusco and go, this guy's the least victim on the planet. Like, yes, he's got someone after trying to kill him, but he also just fired her, like just needlessly fired her because of the way she looked. Like, I just, I can't deal with her. I'm done. I'm done with this. This is, and now she wants to kill me. Well, there is a level of, well, I mean, you know, you reap what you sow. Like, if you're going to treat people the way that you, uh, not the way you want to be treated, it's going to be natural that these people are going to come back towards you. I don't know why this is a shock towards you. And so this is the least victim person. He has more than anything else. He's victimizing everyone else, but he is blind to it because he's also the least content, the least grateful. He's grumbling all the time. He's complaining. And I think about that a lot with our day-to-day lives, how much we grumble and how much we complain and when we we have such little perspective. So here's, once again, a way for us to not just teach this to our kids, but to help them catch it. In your prayer times with your kids, this is something I'm trying to do. We have a little whiteboard in our home, and I put up on it at different times. Pray for this today. And it's always people they don't know. Let's pray for people who are in prison and they're separated from their parent, their families. Let's let's pray for kids who are separated from their parents. Let's pray for people in other countries who are suffering from an illness or whatever. And the reason behind this is so often our prayers just become ways for us to grumble and complain. Uh, and I pray for things and I ask, I pray for other people, but they're usually people who are very connected to me. And the reason I'm praying that you know, mama doesn't get sick or that this person doesn't die. I do love that person, but there's a way in which I'm still really, I would feel so sad if that person was gone. And a one way to really pray in a completely others focus is I just want to pray for people that I have no emotional attachment to. I don't know this person, but to teach our kids. And what that does is to say, no matter how hard my life is, I can always think of someone else. I can always focus on other people. Uh, because it is very easy in our world and to to really turn everything towards me and to make everything about me. Uh, and this is something we really have to help with our kids on. Any other ideas on, on this idea? I mean, <clears throat> this whole conversation kind of reminded me actually of uh, something from uh, Psalm 51 that I actually thought kind of just really applied to I think this movie because like I think about the character of Pacha and especially in contrast with Cusco my dad always loved pointing out that there's like a very distinct difference between happiness and joy is the thing Cusco throughout this movie is just in a constant pursuit of the of the the biggest dopamine hit he wants the best euphoric experience he can possibly have whereas Pacha has a sense of joy and I just I think about like you know, in Psalm 51, David is at his most miserable when he's writing it, okay? He has no reason to be happy. And he writes in verse 12, you know, restore me the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey you. And I just, I feel like that's kind of the thing that's missing from Cusco throughout this movie that Pacha has. He's, he, he isn't exactly in a great situation. He, but, and yet he's like choosing to have joy in spite of all that stuff. You know, his, his resolve is not deterred by his physical 
material situation and stuff like that. Whereas Cusco's is. Well, and that's something that once again, we help our kids with when we just, when we don't try to fix all their problems. And I know we, we hit on this in the last podcast a lot, but when I get to a point where I teach them that the way you have joy is sometimes you have to sit in things that are boring and you have to be in places where, you know, and there's a lot of, I know a lot of uh, psychologists, family psychologists hit on this of one of the best things you can do for your kids is let them be bored. Uh, let them let them because that's where creativity thrives. That's where problem solving thrives is when they go, I have nothing to do. I mean, oh, man, my mom. I'm that, I mean, is that not the mom refrain of if you're bored, I'll give you something to, to do. Like, I'll give you something to do. But often what we do is, OK, well, then take this tablet. Because you're kind of irritating me by talking to me too much. Go take this and go in the other room. Or, hey, go do this thing. Oh, okay, well, we'll all go do something because I don't ever want my kids to feel, and sometimes we don't even mean an ounce of sadness. I want them to feel maximum levels of happiness at all times. The truth is that's rooted in us because I also want to feel maximum levels of happiness all the time. And so when I'm bored for a moment, I got my phone, I can pull out TikTok and just be scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I don't ever have to be bored. And whenever I'm feeling sad, there's always food I can buy that makes me happy. And I can always go out and get some kind of comfort food to do this. I don't ever want to have to feel an ounce of, and I wouldn't even say unhappy. Maybe unhappiness is a better way to say it, which is it's not even sadness. I'm not sad. Nothing bad has happened. I'm just unhappy. I'm not happy. I'm not feeling a dopamine hit right now. So I need to have that. And to be able to help our kids go, hey, look, part of us developing into people. And I, I said this to my kids the other day, and I realized, I think we miss this. I miss this a lot as a parent, which is my being a parent is a sacred calling. Um, and, and maybe you ended up as a parent and it was not your plan to be a parent at that time. But God is calling you because of the responsibility he has given you to a sacred calling, which is our goal as parents is not to help our kids reach their maximum potential as a human being. It is not to make them as happy as they can possibly be. It really is to help them, give them the proper environment and as best as we can help to shape them into people who will learn to love Jesus and his way of life. And so often the things that we're doing of fixing all their problems, stepping in and making sure they're never unhappy, making sure they never have to solve their own problems, it is counterproductive. Those are the times where you build character. And we all know that. The times where we really grow character are through struggle. They are through adversity. They are through things not going my way. That's when I develop patience. I develop patience when things don't go the way I want them to go. And I have to kind of sit with it for a while. That's how I develop humility is when I suffer a little bit and I realize, oh, other people are suffering too. And I don't let it turn in on me. And I think this is so critical to us with our kids. This is not, once again, we don't want to make these movies just things you talk about, but to give us a chance to say, how, how do we develop this with our kids? So I think all of that is huge and it'll help, but we don't want to end on just a heavy thing. So I, would we all agree in Disney villains, Kronk and Yzma as a, as a duo might have to be in the top 10 of, of Disney villains. I mean, I'm trying to think who's knocking them out. And if anyone says Scar, you got to get off the podcast. Scar. Oh, okay. Hold on. <laughs> Scar is not, we're not, I, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen, Sawyer. There are other villains you can take out of the top 10 other than Scar to oh, put these men and and Kronk in there. Okay, Scar doesn't have, What about like, we can knock Ursula out, okay? We can knock Gaston what? out, okay? Oh, well, Gaston's not in the top 10. I, I mean, know. This, but... this is canonized, man. We know yeah. this. <laughs> this is this is official. 
I'm just All saying, right. you know, Sid's the most concrete. I will. Uh, we got to give Sid the most concrete. But hey, are you talking about Sid from Toy Story? Yeah, he's a Disney villain. All right, I'm just saying this, 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 this. I don't know. You, you're just you're villainizing the whole podcast right now, and I'm not sure I'm okay with it. What I was going to get to before we have this just intense. I mean, I am I am burning with the rage of a thousand suns right now. I just want you to know. Uh, but uh, what I want to say was Heidi mentioned this earlier. What are some of the best Kronk moments in this film? Because Kronk just, I mean, knocking it out of the park throughout this movie. Uh, so, so who wants to start best cronk moments in this movie? Heidi, you unmuted. You were ready. Yes. Um, he was just so determined to have everybody taste his dessert. Yes. And I love, well, I love him as a chef in general. Like any moment where he's playing a chef, like in this movie or talking about food is yeah. my favorite. Well, I will say, Heidi, a- after the many conversations you and I have had about food, I thought this is this is a Heidi spirit animal right now. Yes. Is this, yes. <laughs> well, just how concerned he is with the food in general. Just how like that, that scene uh, where they're trying to poison Cusco uh, and he can't focus on it because um, he he's so badly wants everyone to taste the little appetizer he brings out the little little puffs the little like yeah. what is it like spinach and artichoke puffs or something yeah yeah absolutely wonderful anybody else moments from Kronk that just stand out i think the one that i thought of was when um when they're supposed to break down the door and Kronk is like this is hand carved mahogany like yeah. he's he's over here appreciating the door he's like and she's like Knock the door down, like, but it's so pretty. <laughs> yes. And Sawyer, you got some? I, I would simply say anytime that he and Yzma are interacting, like in my brain, I'm just like, this is like a match made in the depths of hell. Like Kronk <laughs> is this really wholesome character. And yes. he's like and he's obeying Yzma even. And Yzma's just like absolutely mocking him and not mocking like um i guess belittling him and it's just i love every second of it especially the the mahogany scene uh that yeah i was actively laughing out loud last night when i watched this very funny and uh we think you're gonna have a great time with this movie but we also think you're gonna have great conversations and most of all whether whether you watch the movie whether you have a conversation with your kids about this movie that you would help your kids learn to take the path of others focus selfless, self-giving, self-sacrificial love, which is seen in gentleness and kindness and humility, and that you would help grow that in your kids, uh, because this is what it means to follow Jesus and to live in his kingdom. And uh, we want to help you and your kids learn to love Jesus and his way of life even more. So I hope you'll see us next time on the uh, Family Movie Night podcast.